You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Snappy, snoop, snorkeling for snickerdoodles and snarge. Welcome to Good Job Brain, your weekly quiz show and offbeat trivia podcast. This is episode 131. And of course, I'm your humble host, Karen, and we are your sparkly, sparky, sparring Spartans. I'm Colin. I'm Dana. And I'm Chris. Cerebrals Spartans. Cerebrals. Oh, no, you can't add stuff now. You oh, can't yeah. add stuff now. Yeah. Oh, so last week, uh, Chris, you did a quiz about um, state... Official uh, state things. Official state, state things. State things. <laughs> yeah. And then this week, I saw a New York got an official state snack. Oh. Which is... Like getting- official official? Yeah, they the governor signed it into huh. a bill of some... Or, Whatever, signed it into law. <laughs> whatever, it's bill. It's bill. What, whatever, etc. Et however, they, however it is so, that they do it. Yes, yeah, yeah. The New York blood sacrifice. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Delicious. I believe he has to eat a hundred is... pounds of whatever the snack is, what is to, to make it official. It's yogurt. Yogurt. Weird. The new state snack. I don't. No. I don't think New York. Yeah. The, I think most yo- yogurt in America is made in New York, though. Hmm. Let's look this up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that where? Uh, Chobani is. Oh, mm-hmm. you're right. New York State produced 741 million pounds of yogurt last year. Yeah. And the two leading brands of thick Greek style yogurt, Chobani and Fahe, have large production plants in New York. Well, mm-hmm. there you go. So there's a okay. reason for it. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. there is. Yeah. Not just because people like it. I, I, I thought it yeah. would be like pretzels or pizza. Yeah, but there's right. no money in or pretzel. peanuts. <laughs> there's no, there's no yeah. pretzel plants. And they don't eat a lot of pizza in New York anyway. <laughs> and I have a addendum, Chris, also to your official state what's its quiz. Okay, all right. Uh, Jess wrote in. She said that one of the questions mentioned was North Carolina. Yeah. Official carnivorous official plant. Official carnivorous right. plant. Right. Venus flytrap. Yeah. And we were like, oh, that seems so random. Uh-huh. The Venus flytrap is native only to the Carolinas. Get out. Uh-huh. Yes. Uh-huh. Because of the climate and the weather. Sure. Yeah. So, not because so not there's that, like a... That's that where they're perfect, from. That yeah. perfect mix of <laughs> yeah. not too hot, not yeah. too cold. Insects, lots of bugs. Insects lots are of bugs. just tasty enough. Yeah. 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 Great yeah. barbecue. Yeah. Well, they season in the Carolinas. They season yeah. their insects with vinegar rather than right. you know, <laughs> yeah. sweet barbecue. Right, right. Like plants yeah. like a not little. a rub. Right. Yeah. I prefer yeah. a dry rub fly myself. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, North Carolina has been having problems with Venus flytrap poaching over the past few years, and the state recently made digging up the plant a felony. Huh. Oh. Because someone decided to dig up most of the park's Venus flytrap plants over a single weekend huh. in 2013, stealing over a thousand plants. Wow. Whoa. That's a lot of plants. That's a lot. That that that's, seems painful. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. How that's either just, they theft. Not, no, they're not. Or... They're not Audrey no. too from <laughs> yeah, right. the They're staging a revival. Yeah. They don't of... take your finger off. Yeah. yeah. Well, they wouldn't be able to take a thousand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Huh. So there you go. Well, there is an explanation. All right, North Carolina, huh. your 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 export to the world. I, I yeah. love it. All right. Without further ado, let's jump into our first general trivia segment: Pop Quiz, Hot Shot. Here I have a random trivial pursuit card. I'm gonna make up a question for this one. Picture. Is there a picture on it? Yeah. Mm. All right. Blue edge for geography, but this is the sub in question, so it has nothing to do with geography. Oh, okay. okay. All right. The name of this album featured songs such as "You Give Love a Bad Name," "Living on a Prayer," and "Wanted Dead or Alive." <laughs> uh. Uh, 
Chris <laughs> or was it Colin? I, I, we think we both have. Okay, it. Was, everybody together. Was that uh, slippery <laughs> when wet? Correct. Bon Jovi. <laughs> I can see yeah. the card, oh. and it's got a. The picture is the slippery when wet road sign. Oh. <laughs> the question yeah. was, what is this? Yeah, exactly. You know, the answer is. Slippery when wet. For both questions. The slippery the when wet road sign really looks like, the you know, thing? snakes. Yeah. Snakes car. may be following snakes your car. Snakes following Just your car. The yeah. Snakes right. on a car. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Pink wedge for pop culture. Who, according to legend, was advised to stick to truck driving because he'd never make it as a singer? Oh. Uh, Johnny Cash? Incorrect. That's oh. my first guess, too. No, it was... Uh... Elvis Dana. Presley? Correct! Yeah. Oh, yeah. Dan is right. Elvis Presley. Yellow Wedge. Who was the only U.S. president never to marry? Oh, Multiple choice. yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, okay, okay. Sure. James Buchanan, Thomas Jefferson, or Richard Nixon? Oh. Oh, oh wait. Oh, oh hey, yeah. Colin. Uh, that's Buchanan. Yeah. 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 Pat well, Nixon. Two, yeah. yeah. And, there's, and Jefferson definitely got married. You can't cheat on your wife if... If, if you don't have one in the first place. Oh. Oh. Snip, snap. As, like, as the old saying goes. Yeah. 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 Too soon. Put them on show. Oh, man. Oh. Uh, all right. Purple Wedge. What 2001 book noted that McDonald's was the biggest U.S. buyer of beef, pork, and potatoes? Everybody. Oh. Fast, Fast Food, food nation. nation. Correct. Fast Food Nation. And right pot- there in the... It is indeed. Right there oh, behind us. Yeah. It's in the Good Job Brain Library. Yep. <laughs> Potatoes. Yeah. Just for hash browns? Oh, French fries. fries. <laughs> French fries. I, and then that day oh, McDonald's. McDonald's. <laughs> oh, McDonald's. Our hey, man. Yeah. I just ran a half marathon this morning. <laughs> all right, all right. Cut me some slack. Oh, shout out to Christine, who I met. Uh, Nike, Nike Women's Half Marathon. Aw. I hope you had a good race. All right. Anyways, uh, back to the card. Let's see. Green wedge for science. Uh, okay. Why do male mice sing? Why do it's male? It's like a riddle. Why yeah. do male? Uh, yeah, mice it does sound like a bad sing? laffy taffy I, joke. Well, you buzzed in, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, mating ritual. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. To attract <laughs> It's always female about, mice. To attract. Fe- it says literally yeah. to attract female huh. mice. Wow. Okay. Huh. A little and note Barnell. here. Says male mice produce <laughs> elaborate ultrasonic vocalization during hmm. courting. Oh, mm-hmm. and they only sing three blind mice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, last question, Orange Wedge. What organization was plagued by the curse of the Bambino? Oh. <laughs> that that was the Boston Red Sox. Correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Baseball professional baseball club. It was it, it was said in the many years until they won a World Series. Does it say on the card? Does uh, it give the any card. The note says. The, quote, curse was reversed in 2004 when the team won its first World Series in 86 years. Got it. Yeah. Got it. The, the curse alludes to the fact that they had Babe Ruth on their team, the Bambino, and traded him away to oh. the Yankees where he went on to have some some small degree of success. Yeah. Wasn't that movie Fever Pitch right around that year? Oh. It was that year. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. that year. And that was, no, 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 that they, was the year they won. Right. They had to they change were filming, it. No, they, I mean, they were, yeah, they were filming yeah. the movie Fever Pitch, and then it was getting closer and closer, seeming like they were going to win, and so they sort of held off on like finalizing the ending to the movie. Oh, just yeah. But then they filmed the ending to the movie live, live yeah. when they actually won. And Whoa. you can you can still see them like j- jumping around on the field like in footage of that game. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, and it's not like CG. It's like <laughs> no. actual. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's really yeah. them really there. Interesting. Yeah, right? That is an that interesting is... bit of trivia. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, good job, brains. <laughs> and so this week, 
we're we're going the nerd route a little. Okay. Well, traditional nerds. Yeah. Traditional nerds. Yeah, yeah. I was like, as opposed to our I think we're always on the on nerd, the nerd route. route. Well, yeah. yes. If the first 130 episodes like about didn't didn't seem nerdy to you, then yeah. <laughs> hold on Get to you yeah. guys. Yeah. We're about to step it up. I mean, in what 130 some episodes, a lot of uh, some of our segments and in, in past quizzes have dealt with book titles, authors, biography. Mm-hmm. Chris, you you're a fan of the what line right, is this right, from? Yeah. And so today we decided to dedicate a whole episode on books. The library is open. I can be anything. Take a look. It's in a book. A reading rainbow. A reading rainbow. A reading I have assembled a grab bag quiz. That was quiz. a little JFK-ish. Uh, <laughs> I have uh, um, uh, established. I, uh, I've created for you guys a grab bag trivia quiz of book facts, book notes, book references, <laughs> literary fun. Uh, literary fun. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't it just doesn't it just sound like it oozes fun? Yeah. Sure. All right. Yes. No. No pun. No punny. No yeah. punny name for this one, unfortunately. Right. Oh. oh, okay. All right. Yes. If, uh, yes. Like me, you guys have read many, 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 many books, and as you know, sometimes you're reading a book. There's a lot of stuff you got to get through before you get to the meat of the book. You know, like to really get underway. So. Whoa. I Is want that you the guys. Term? Yeah. Meat of the book. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I want you guys to put these elements of a book in the oh. proper order for me. All right. So you tell me in if a book had all of these, what order would you find them? Oh. Mm-hmm. The prologue. Okay. The preface. Uh-huh. The introduction. <laughs> and the foreword. Okay. All right. So put they them in put them in order before the book. The, yes, sure. these are all things yeah. before you really get underway. So and it's prologue, preface, Introduction, forward, and there is an order. There is a a generally accepted order for these in a book. One will come before another. One will come before another. If you have them, they're not all the same thing. They're not interchangeable. Chris, preface, forward, introduction, prologue. Incorrect. You got a couple in the right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Got a couple in the right slots. Yeah. Forward. Am I wrong already? You're correct so far. Yeah. Okay. We'll do this. Yeah. Correct so far. Here we go. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because the forward, importantly, is written someone, by someone else. Yeah. Yes. And right. so it's like they take the whole package and then they're like, "This is a book about blah blah right, blah." Yeah. Right. And you'll right. see in okay. the introduction, okay. blah. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh huh. Okay. So nothing comes before the yeah. forward. I think preface, intro, yep. prologue. Uh, what, what, is that it? Yes, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Forward. Preface, preface, introduction, intro, prologue. prologue. So the introduction right. is by the author. Well, so, so let's run work. right. Let's run through them very, oh, okay, very quickly. Sure, yeah, sure, you're, sure. You, yeah, you guys are absolutely right. Yeah, the the foreword, most importantly, is not written by the author of the book. Yeah. The foreword is it's generally like. Someone who has name recognition. Yeah, it is. It's yeah. like an endorsement or kind of and like... it's about the book, not really about the story. It or can be very it. general. Yeah. It can be very general. It's more just like, I'm this famous person you may have heard of. Mm-hmm. I recommend this. This may be a friend of mine. I yeah. liked it. I think you'll like it too. The The preface is kind of, hmm. how did this book come to be? Like, like oh. what, what was, you know, maybe what was the inspiration? You know, what was the process? You know, I first was intrigued by this, you know, stumbling through the, you know, whatever, yeah, yeah. The, the little sort of the personal story. 
if you have acknowledgments, they would go in there as well. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, sometimes they'll have acknowledgments in a separate section. This would come right after the preface if you did. Wow. Yes, okay. it's a very <laughs> strict order here. Uh, and then the introduction, also by the author, is kind of like, here's what I'm going to be talking about. Mm-hmm. Here's maybe a few of the questions I'm going to answer. Kind of like just sort of, you know, telling you what's... A, what's, a what's booth, Yeah, sure. yeah. Setting the stage. A little teaser of what's to come. And prologue is like the story. Right. Yeah. Part of that's the story. right. That's You're right. You're not supposed to skip it. I know people who do skip the oh, prologue. Oh, really? Really? Because sometimes it's very self-indulgent. <laughs> like, you don't learn anything. <laughs> Man, that's, that's a lot of stuff there. before, yeah. like, the actual first page of well, the not story. Well, not every book no. Yeah, have that's all true. of those things. That's yeah. true. And I am leaving many p- other potential elements out. You're like, I'm 50 pages in with these little Roman yeah. numeral pages. What yeah, is the story yeah, going to start? Skim, yeah. Skim. <laughs> like, yeah. The Pulitzer Prize for Fiction honors mm. excellence in fiction by American authors. Oh. Yes. Ideally, they say, for stories that deal with the American experience, however you choose to define that. I did that. not know that. I yeah. thought it was just a good piece of fiction. The only requirement is American, American author. author. American author, <laughs> yeah. Um, but beyond that, you know, they sort of have their rough guidelines. Uh, so tell me, this... Ernest Hemingway novel is the shortest book to win the Pulitzer Prize for Fiction. Karen. Old Man Sea? It is. Old Man in the Sea. Yeah. Yeah. With anywhere from... 120 to 140 pages, depending Jeez. on the edition. Yeah, it's it's a relatively slim novel. Yeah, the shortest to ever win the Pulitzer for fiction. We'll go the opposite direction here. Yeah. We'll go the opposite direction here. Published in multiple volumes from 1913 to 1927, this mm-hmm. landmark work by a French author lays claim to the Guinness World Record for longest novel. Oh, this comes up a lot. This does come but up a lot. I've and I will liking. accept one of three possible names even. Yeah. <laughs> Karen. Is this Prouse? Yes. Wow. This is Oh, oh, recherche de temps perdu. Absolutely oh, is. Yes, yeah. yes. And thank you. A bonus points for the French hey, there, Chris. Yeah. Absolutely, right. A la recherche de temps perdu. Remembrance of things past uh, or in search of lost time is how it's translated in English usually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, Seven- a la recherche. I, I mistakenly masculinized it. Whoops, my bad. Well, we're going to have some literary nerds listening to this show. <laughs> Yeah, seven volumes, uh, over 3,000 pages, 1.2 million words. This is interesting. Uh, Guinness, for their record, they go by the character count. That's how they quantify this as the longest novel. Okay. okay. With a so not words. Over 9.6 yeah. million characters. That's, yeah. I like that because that's more technical. I kind of like it too. Yeah. Because yeah. you can have a super long word. Or a super short and word. And, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, and they count uh, spaces as characters as well. Like a lot of things that are in Guinness, of course, there is even a little bit of dispute about this. There is an even older French sort of multi-part novel that some people, by their count, they count it as the longest novel. Guinness doesn't, they, they, don't, they don't go by that. I think, I think their reasoning is that this was more like a serialized novel originally. That's mm-hmm. what Guinness goes by. We've gotten this one in trivia uh, several times before, so uh, we'll see how, how, how well you guys remember this one. If you list the books of the King James version of the Bible Jeez. in order, uh-huh. so beginning with Genesis, then Exodus, and so on, what is the first book <laughs> named after a woman? Oh. Karen. Uh, Ruth. It is yeah. Ruth. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. What was the other one that we were thinking? Esther. Esther. Yeah. Esther comes yeah. uh, several books later. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're like, Ruth or Esther? Yeah. I think yeah. we had it down to yeah. 50-50. We right? got it, though. Are, are those the only two books named after women? 
Yes. Oh, okay. And okay. if you want the order, it is, yes, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth. And then, there, of course, there is famously an album titled Joshua, Judges, Ruth. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, good way to remember it. Huh. In book binding. Remember what? The Bible or the album? You know, whichever one. Whichever one you happen to have handy. If you've got the Bible handy, you need to remember the album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the beauty of it. It goes both ways. It's yeah. three consecutive ones. In book binding, bookmaking terminology, what is a signature? What is a signature? If you were making a... Chris. Um, a signature is you have the book and then you have all the little mini books inside that make up the book that are all bound together. A signature is one of those. Absolutely right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Right. yes. Yes. It's the, the little mini booklet usually yeah. sewn if you, together. you crack open your hardcover book you see like it's actually a whole bunch of little you know, little volumes. Booklets. Yep. Yeah. yep. Yeah. Little yeah. little mini booklets. Mm-hmm. Typically you want to go a real deep nerd here. You want typically how many Ooh. pages are in, in a signature? A hundred. Uh, re- going way back, way back, the typical is 16. 16 pages. Okay. Oh. Yeah, you, they can have, okay. you can have many different numbers. All right, last one. In 2013, in San Antonio, Texas, the new Bexar County Library opened to much fanfare. What was unique about this library? Chris. You didn't have any books. It is the first all-digital public yeah. library. All right. Yes. It's just like... E-book. A terabyte drive? No, I mean, you can go in and you can, like, borrow ebooks on your device and it oh. signs them out to you and then, you know, you sign them back to the library, that kind of thing. Huh. Yeah. yeah, that's right. right. Yeah, right. that's right. The Bexar County Digital Library, they also, they're quite proud of us, known as the Bibliotech. Get it? Like T E C A. Get out of here with your. Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. Get out, Get out of here with your capital T in the middle of the word. <laughs> uh, yeah, open last year. No printed books whatsoever. And they're, they are committed. This is their mission. Uh, they've got over 10,000 ebooks. Uh, they've got, yeah, hundreds of e readers there, dozens of computers oh, and laptops. Okay. If so you don't have your own digital device, you can basically borrow That's a device. Right. Yep. You can borrow a device on. and read it there. You can borrow it on your own personal device if you have. Yep. You can check yeah. them out for two weeks at a time. Do that with the San Francisco Library, Oakland, and Berkeley too. Oh, yeah, yep. mm-hmm. and then they just magically yeah, the New York Public Library famously is adding a lot more of those too. <laughs> the bibliotech. Yeah. Yep. yeah, there are other libraries that have experimented with like digital branches, uh, but none of them have been able to sustain and you know say because yes, we're going to stay all digital. Yeah, there was one branch of the library in Arizona that tried it, and they eventually had to start adding printed material. Just mm. their their patrons demanded it; it just was what they needed. But uh, <laughs> no, this this uh, library in Bexar County, they have a budget. They're going to add 10,000 ebooks every year uh, and stay all digital. That's and what they're committed save to. Save so much hmm. space. Yeah. And storage. Oh, it looks and re- upkeep. It looks really cool and very futuristic, of course, as you might imagine. Well, why there? Do you know? Like, is it just a, a county decision? It was, it was by the county. Yeah. How yeah. progressive. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well done. So, mm-hmm. you guys know I'm a collector mostly of video games. Uh, yes. I own. I own I, I own a lot of books that sort of orbit around <laughs> that, <Video games. laughs> that collection and other books as well. So of course I put I put together a quiz for you guys about cold hard cash, the most valuable oh, books okay. oh, cool. in the world. Okay, that's awesome. Well, let's see. Let's see how you guys. Let's see how you guys do. Mm-hmm. So one of the most valuable books in the world is called the Bay Psalm Book, Book of Psalms from the from the Bible, right? 
It was originally printed in 1640. There are only five complete copies still in existence. Uh, one of them in 2013 sold for $14.2 million. Wozers. Why is the Bay Psalm book so valuable slash... Other than the fact that's but old, there is a yeah, there is a rare. reason why this particular book is in high demand. Okay, Karen, was it signed by a particular famous nope. person? No, any oh. copy you had of this book oh. would be very valuable. Karen, it's bound in human skin. It is okay. not bound in <laughs> human skin. Glad that's where your mind immediately went. <laughs> yeah. No, it is not bound in human skin. And the whatever Bay, it is, B A Y Psalm P S A L M, the Bay Psalm book. Yes, it applies to all of them. It's just. The, the very existence of this book, it was originally printed in the year 1640. 1640. 1640. Oh, okay, so something, I guess something with like, yeah, the Pilgrims, maybe something around there. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, like maybe the, the yeah, maybe the, the first one printed in America. Or is that la- your final answer? Yeah. Yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> it is, the, it is yeah. in fact, the first book ever printed in America. Ah. 1640 is apparently only 20 years after the, the Pilgrims <laughs> landed on Plymouth Rock. It was... It was fast. So, yes, it is the first book ever printed in what would eventually become, become. Right, the right. United States of America. Yes, indeed. The Bay Psalm oh, That's cool. Um, another, here's something else that's <laughs> in it's bound in human skin. Um, another thing that has to do with America, copies of a book called The Birds of America have yeah. sold for $7 million, $8 million, and $11 million, approximately. Uh, who is its author? Dana. Audubon. Audubon. Yeah. John yeah. James John Audubon. Audubon. The Audubon bird study. Baron. Watching. Oh, yes, okay. Exactly. Okay. He was, he yeah. was Mr. Bird. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> bird man. But his last name was Audubon. Yeah. <laughs> of the various books, editions of books that have sold for over $3 million. There are not many. There are not many books that have sold for $3 million. Of this small group, only one of these books was written in the 21st century. Oh, wow. What is the book? And it's uh, just one particular It is book. one... Part, it, is a, it is a certain copy of a certain book. In the 20th in the 20, century? For, no, no, no. Oh. The 21st century. 21st century. 21st century. 20, century. century. Then, at the, century. At the time, yeah. at the time there were years. only seven copies of this book. This was the only one that was being made available Oh, outside okay. of an, uh, the author's small circle of friends. Okay. Were, Harry Potter yeah. was a good guess. Yeah, I like that. Like but... notebook, you know. Mm-hmm. Like... I give up. It is Harry Potter related. Yeah, that's oh. what I... Uh... It is the book Tales of Beetle the Bard, oh, okay. written uh, by J.K. Rowling after the final Harry Potter book came out. Um, she made seven handwritten copies, and one was sold at auction oh. for well over $3 million. Handwritten? Yeah, well, it's a short book. It's a tale, the children's tales from the Harry Potter world. Mm. Um, and Amazon, Amazon bought it for <laughs> uh, over $3 million. Just to keep. Yeah. Just have it. Not to sell. To have it, it to talk about oh, it. Oh, yeah. They well, remember, nobody had read this book either, so they actually, they made a whole big deal out about, oh. they they wrote a summary, they wrote a review of the book <laughs> so that people could understand what was actually in it. But then eventually it was it was published and, you know, oh, more, more broadly disseminated. But hmm. yeah. In 1987, the Japanese bookseller, the the very old established Japanese bookselling company, Maruzen, paid over $5 million, this is in 1987, Mm. for a copy of this book, which was printed in 1455. Dana. The Art of War? It's not The Art of War. Mm. 1455. 
fifty. Karen. Tales of Genji. Not Tales of Genji. Get out of. Get yourselves out of Japan. Asia. 1455. They paid, and this was this was uh, at that point. It was more than double the previous record for a printed book. This is 87. This is like primo time for Japan's economy. They had tons of extra cash. This book represented a major technological leap. If you oh, was it, uh, was it Gutenberg's, Gutenberg's first, Bible? First day, it was. First. It was well. It was. Yeah. It was a Gutenberg, a Gutenberg Bible. 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 Yes. Yeah. It was. Mm-hmm. Steve, yeah. Steve Gutenberg's Bible. <laughs> um, right after three men. In <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. He was big. It was eighty-seven. Yeah. You yeah. have police academy. Oh, yeah. It was one of Johann Gutenberg's original Bibles. One of the first things printed with movable type. Wow. Cool. In the year 2010, I wouldn't call this a book, but a two-page written document uh, written by a man named James Naismith sold for over $4 million. What was was it? (laughs) Colin. Uh, That would have been the rules for basketball. The rules of basketball. Oh, of course. The original rules of basketball. That's right. Well, you probably probably heard the name James Naismith at some point, but yeah, it's in the... What is it? It's in the punch bowl, right? It's yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Yeah. Punch it's bowl in, in the there, punch bowl. Yep, yep, yep. Finally, the most expensive work, I believe, of narrative fiction ever sold. Most expensive work of narrative fiction, fiction. ever okay. sold. So not the Bay Psalm book, which is Psalms from the Bible. Most expensive work of narrative fiction ever sold. It had a plot that revolved around a convoluted dinner bet. What is the book? Convoluted dinner Dinner bet. bet. Everybody was betting a dinner on something. That sounds familiar. Doesn't it? it does. Doesn't it? It really does. Doesn't it? Dinner mm. bet. The dinner bet. Agatha Christie? It was about people telling stories and whoever told the best That's... story, everybody was going to buy them dinner. Oh, Frankenstein? No. Yes, oh. right? Wasn't that? Oh, Very no, that was the real life circumstances. That was... oh, yeah, 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 that's right. Oh, wait, no, that was life, not art. <laughs> this is a uh, summation of the plot of the Canterbury Tales. Oh, okay. As everybody was okay, going to right. Canterbury, that's they all right. made a bet. That's right. It says whoever can tell their tale the best, uh, everybody else will I didn't know buy them the dinner premise. later. That yeah. is. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. was the premise. It's a, it's I just remember a, a bunch of people on a journey. Right, like, right, right. Now it was all a dinner bet. Sold for $7.5 million in 1998. As wow. I said, it was the last first edition of the Canterbury Tales still remaining oh. still remaining in private hands. Oh, God. Okay. Everything else at that point was in a museum. Cool. Pricey cool. books. I, too, have a book quiz for you guys. Oh, weird. Quizzing it. Booking it. Booking it. Booking it. Quizzing it and booking it. Did you guys do, uh, did you have the, the, the book it uh, thing when you were in like middle school, maybe it must it might, maybe this was just East Coast, but I think I think some people like Scholastic Book Orders. Yeah, no, it was like book it, and it was like you had to like read as many books oh, as you could, and like they had a big chart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get a star. You get a star for every we did, book. Did, yeah. yeah, we did. Yeah. I chose that. like really easy books. Well, like, that's, they, that was they make you yeah. game the system. That's weird. It is. It is. It's like encouraging you to game the system because it's not. It's not how many pages you read. It's how many books. I wouldn't even enjoy it. Like they kind of ruined. Yeah. My, my strategy was I would find books that were like like three or four volume sets or something like that, you know, because right. they would I could, they would usually be a little bit thinner. Yes, yeah, so. I read uh, I would read like remember those horror stories like Tales of Terror or whatever with a really creepy watercolor <laughs> drawing. Like, it's a book. It's a book. Yeah, I was like, it's a book. Yep. But did you guys have Scholastic Book Order? Yeah, yeah. like a catalog. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we did. I always get the non books. I like, really the, look the science kits. <laughs> I look forward right, to that right. day. Yeah. That was great. Oh, that day is great. This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. 
FX is the Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX is the Veil, now streaming only on Hulu. So uh, a few episodes ago, I did a segment called "You Burnt Classic <laughs> Literature" yeah, on Amazon. Yeah, so I took one-star reviews from Amazon, and they kind of included a a summary of the story. You guys had to guess what the story was, and so this is "You <laughs> Your Burnt Part Two, but with children's literature. Oh. And instead of Amazon, I found Goodreads has amazing reviews. They're just fascinating to read. Like if you're bored, Goodre- <laughs> look at the Goodreads reviews. They're so really- are yeah. they, right. yeah. is this children rever- reviewing the books or oh. their parents? Oh no. The best ones are the parents. Sometimes kids do it, but the, the really like sarcastic cut to the bone, <laughs> oh, like, like come from parents who are super bored with the book, <laughs> but had to keep reading it. These are classics. You guys, oh, you guys wow. know what these are so let's let's get this started i'll read you part of a review a one-star review from goodreads and you guys buzz in uh and tell me what story they're okay. describing all right. and these all right. are all negative reviews these are one star <laughs> yeah i i did not enjoy this story so much i'm gonna write a review about it kind of reviews all right a disturbed young man in a devilish costume chases a dog with a sharp object, then threatens to cannibalize his mother when she objects. No, it's not an episode of True Blood. This is actually <laughs> the opening scene of an inexplicably beloved children's book. Oh. This this sounds like Where the Wild Things Are. Where the Wild Things Are. <laughs> Maurice Sindak. I mean, this person hated it. <laughs> hated it. It goes on and on. That's just a sampling of their vitriol. Not to be mean to anyone, but why does everyone like this book? Not that I don't like animals, but why does everyone love this book so much? I could write a book about a cat saving a monkey. Would you automatically buy it? My point is, what's so good about a spider saving a pig? Oh. <laughs> not one bit better. In fact, it has to be one of the worst books I've ever read. No! <laughs> Chris. Well, that is, of course, Charlotte's, Charlotte's Web. Web. Charlotte's Web. But you, there are a lot where it's like, I don't get it. This pig, the pig was stupid. The spider was smart. It's like, yeah, that's the that's how the story was. <laughs> like a circle generous, of life. You, it's a, you it's do a generous get it. spider. You got it. Anyway, okay. How about this one? Mice are still pests. This one in particular wants to be waited on hand and foot. <laughs> Stuart Little? No. If you give a mouse a cookie. Yeah. Because it's like, if you give a mouse a cookie, he's like, probably gonna want, want some, some milk. milk, and then if blah, you give blah, him blah. milk, he's probably going to want some chocolate for the milk. <laughs> oh, I don't know that one. There's another one for this one. It's... I just don't get it. It's a stupid mouse. Tell him no. He doesn't have to get everything he wants. <laughs> When's someone going to stand up to this mouse? Right. <laughs> In a word, trite. I know that sounds snobby, but come on. Anne is the epitome of a Mary Sue character. Oh, poor thing. She's too skinny, and her red hair is too unique, and she's just so quirky. Isn't she just the perfect little flawed heroine? Actually, no. She's obnoxious. Even as a child, I couldn't buy into this garbage. Little redhead Anne of... Green Gables? Green Gables? Yes. Uh, oh. Green Gables. I thought she was Ellen a little Montgomery. bit annoying, too. Yeah. <laughs> you need to be able to separate your feelings about the character from your feelings yeah. about the book. Yeah. It Classic Mary yeah. Sue. Yeah. 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 Whoa. There's, I mean, many of these reference Mary Sue's. Mary Sue's, if you guys don't know, are, um, are in certain literature. When you think that the author is, like, projecting themselves into the story or they're setting up, yep. like, a perfect life for this perfect character. Right. right. That well, you like, see yeah, yourself it's, in it's as self-insert well. fan fiction 
when they're too self-conscious to put themselves in. So they're like, instead of like, you know, Chris goes to Hogwarts and solves everybody's problems. Yeah. It's like, oh, there's a new student at Hogwarts. His name is Christian. Chris. <laughs> and yeah. he is very popular, popular. and yeah. so Everybody handsome. Loves Everybody him. loves it. It's your own wish fulfillment. Yeah. 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 So good that he got sorted in all of the houses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he kicked, yeah. And then he got sued by J.K. Rowling. Yeah. <laughs> now he lives in a box. The end. That's a sad Mary Sue fanfic. <laughs> Miniature people living in a big old house and making friends with the boy who lives there sounds like a fun adventure. Sadly, this story bored me and I was skeptical about a lot of the size proportions and resources. <laughs> very wow. Skeptical. <laughs> Colin. In the, the Indian... Oh. Oh, oh sorry. Oh, I, I thought it was the Littles, but no. maybe... Uh-huh. The Borrowers. The Borrowers. Oh, yes. Oh, oh all over. Your, yeah, well, yeah, now Arietti, the Borrower. Yeah. Yeah. Arietti, okay. the Borrower, the okay. Studio Ghibli. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I, I read that book back in the day, though. That, I was skeptical <laughs> I about the size. I'm skeptical about the size. <laughs> well, yeah, because at that size, uh, the best way is to actually have an exoskeleton. <laughs> right. And exactly. not yeah. have, like, you can't just shrink a person. It should just mm-hmm. be an insect. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly, because mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. a it's surface to volume ratio. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I'm going to go write my own one star yeah. review. You're right. <laughs> yeah. 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 Hey, lady, me. Yeah. you're right. I would like to echo the earlier reviewer's <laughs> concerns. <laughs> Control well, in F. science, yeah. You see how fun trolling yeah, can be. Yeah, true. It's a really slippery slope. You're right. It really Oh my goodness, how incredibly lame. It seemed like each page I turned got lamer. He falls off a mountain that he drew, and since he didn't finish drawing, there's no other side of the mountain, so he's falling in thin air. So good thing for him, he still had his stupid purple crayon. That's the... Uh, Harold. Oh, Harold. Uh, purple, okay. And the crayon. Harold and the purple crayon. Oh, got it. Cra- I was yeah. like, like, Matthew and the purple crayon? Who, who drew... Who... Horton here's a purple crayon. Who wrote that? Crockett Johnson. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Hmm. I would never have been able to pull that one out. All right. One one more. Okay. Apparently, scholastics did not read this before they put it on their book list for young children. If they did read it and endorsed it anyway, we have a problem. The heroine here is a small child, seemingly gifted, who is verbally, mentally, and emotionally abused by her parents. She goes to a school where the headmistress openly states she hates small children Mm. and physically abuses them with impunity. (laughs) What the H? (laughs) That's what they wrote. That's what they wrote. What the H? Yep. Matilda. Matilda. Yeah. Right, Royal Rolled Doll. Rolled Doll. Rolled. Rolled Doll. I'll say his books are dark. Ch- child oh, abuse actually, was a running theme in a yeah, lot of his books. Well, yeah. you know. yeah. <laughs> it was a running theme in a lot of people's lives. That's that true. Yeah. That's true at that time. Multifaceted. I feel that man. way about like Lewis Carroll. Like, oh, you're, you're oh, right, yeah. like yeah. just a very interesting life and some questionable parts of it but mm-hmm. he's an interesting dude just yeah you're like okay yeah. I see why you maybe felt the need to channel so this into Ro- stories so also wrote like short stories like like not for kids like oh yes adult. and those are you Dark. know what the H yeah those are what <laughs> those are the, for H. Yeah. What yeah. the H yeah yeah real H I read them when I was a kid because I was Maybe like I love Rolled Doll and I was like <laughs> yeah, I was like it's oh, terrifying there's no chocolate factory in here that's yeah. a different kind of factory yeah. Yeah. <laughs> also also for the record and I just double checked this on the on the internet um, and I because I just read this and I was like oh no I've been saying it wrong it's, it's actually pronounced rule ruled ruled doll yeah the D is silent Rule. Wait, rule. Is he Welsh? Rule. Yeah, he is. I, yeah, because mm-hmm. yeah, 
He has oh. a plaza in Cardiff. Yeah, I've been there. In- I was like, oh, they were having a festival for yeah. him. Yep. I didn't talk to anybody. That's why I didn't know how to pronounce his name. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's just it's where the Torchwood office is. It's right? hard to figure That's out. That's right. All right, let's take a quick break. A word from our sponsor. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Who's got something to plug? I do. So the last few weeks, I've been tweeting a weird word every day. You can follow me at words are so weird. October is creepy word month. So all the words are creepy or spooky or about being scared or... Give us a taste. So one of my favorite words so far this month is cacaoethes, which means um, <laughs> the irresistible urge to do something inadvisable. Like the little voice in your mind. Cacaoethes. <laughs> it's C-A-C-O-E-T-H-E-S. Huh. Oh. It rolls off the tongue. It's so... <laughs> <laughs> so along with the words, I, put, I make a little picture that goes with it. Using Those are awesome. <laughs> Super funny. Very silly, kind of dry and dorky. Anyway, and educational. We learn and laugh and love. So that's at words are so weird. <laughs> Follow it. And we're back. You're listening to Good Job Brain, and this week we're talking about books. We are. And I'm, we're going to go bookception here. I'm going to read to you guys from a book in a book about books. We are surrounded by the Good Job Brain Library. Uh, one of the books I pulled down off of my shelf is a book called The Book on the Bookshelf by Henry Petrosky. It's so and meta. It is a very uh, nerdy, designy kind of broad history book. Very broadly, it's about bookshelves and the history of books and book storage that's oh. sort of it's very high level there's that much to write about book storage yeah karen you should know you can nerd out about anything that's true. you that's can true. nerd out about anything and you know the history of of bookshelves it's one of those things like where we take a lot for granted and as i read this book i realized how much we take for granted um just a lot of the simple things that seem hmm. obvious to us now about how we would store and keep books uh were totally not always that way so I wanna, i'll show you a little uh, a little anecdote here from the book that uh, Henry Petrosky relates, because I think this this story kind of touches on a few of like the major turning points in how we Whoa. deal with books. Okay. Um, so in 1444, Oxford University, may have heard of it, uh, they <laughs> appointed the Duke of Gloucester to help build their new library. All right. So, I mean, you know, even though this is 1444, they still a, <laughs> an institution of some regard already. Um, and in particular, the problem they were ho- hoping to solve in their new library was overcrowding okay mm-hmm. and the overcrowding was different from what you might think of when you first hear about library overcrowding i'll read you a quote here uh, in particular they were concerned quote 
Should any student be poring over a single volume, as often happens, he keeps three or four others away on account of the books being chained so closely together. Oh, they're chained together? Chained. Why were they chained? Why is this a concern? So what, what, what they're talking about this problem is, in an old-style library, up into as late as the 1400s, 1500s even, you would have a fairly small collection. Books, books were rare. Oh. Books were, you know, they were yeah. the dominion of universities and monasteries, largely in the West, and they were valuable. And you might only have a single copy of any given book. You right. probably mm. would only have a single copy of almost all of your volumes, and you wanted to... Li- literally keep someone from borrowing it and forgetting to bring it back Mm -hmm. or you know in a most extreme Uh, case walking away with it when he talks about overcrowding and putting away three or four other students this was because the way you would go study at a book at that time you would go over to where it's chained to a row on sort of like a half kind of table like a book prison you would plop it open you would move any other books out of the way and you would sit and do your work there because it wasn't something you could just take back to your dorm room and because they're so tiny that means that there's no room to the left or the right of you to work Uh, The other problem was these books were largely stored horizontally, as was the custom. Most books in any library of any size at the time, they were flat. They were Uh stored flat up. And so one of the Duke of Gloucester's main, like a big innovation when helping build this library was introducing a simple couple rows of wood planks as bookshelves. Mm. Basically, here's a space for students to put the book on top while they're while they're using another book so someone else can use it. Wow. This was yeah. radical. This was like uh, a radical new way of approaching books. And yeah. remember like a lot of the books at the time, you know, there's no writing on the spine necessarily. You need to look at the face of the book oh to see what God. you're dealing with. Mm. And so one of the points that Henry Petrosky makes in the book that's really interesting is that the issue of book storage only becomes a problem when you have too many books, right? You know that like if you're in a case where the the grandest library in your region might have 12 books. They're not worried about how to store them. So it was only when you started getting someplace like Oxford, you know, or Cambridge or something like that, where they needed a way, they were getting so many books and so many people wanting to use them. Now we had to think for the first time, wait, how do we store them when they're not being used? This wasn't an issue before. They eventually came up with all sorts of elaborate ways to have like longer chains attached to the books. (laughs) So they're still on chains. They're still stuck with chaining because you may only have one copy of something. It, It goes on here. He says, you know, it may never be known how how and when it occurred to a librarian to arrange the books vertically on the shelf. You know, that's kind of lost to the ages. So this obviously frees up more space for books. It makes it easier to get one without disturbing another copy of the other book. But when they first started putting books on the shelves, it wasn't the way we have them now. It was spine inward. Oh my god. Yes. Yeah, so they finally got, okay, let's get them vertical. This makes a little more sense. Okay, baby But steps. you just see the bare edges of the book pointing out at you and again, this was because it wasn't necessarily a common thing to have the name yeah. on the spine and that was where the chain was attached. They would attach the chain on the spine so the chain would go off the back side of the bookshelf. Uh, okay. okay. This is just to show you all the things that like we take for granted now. Mm-hmm. So that's just one small flavor of what this book is about. If you're a book lover or a bookshelf lover, didn't mean to turn this into a book no. review, but that's that's just sort of how he approaches telling the tale of where we got to, the things that we take for granted. I want to go back and tell them, hey, we have an all ebook digital library. Like, what What would they think? They'd burn you at the stake. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, I don't know what yeah, you mean. That Those words evil. don't mean anything. Yeah. Like, oh, so you're a witch. Yeah, yeah okay, yeah. got it. No, sure. we understand. Yeah. All right, and we have one last bookish goodness. Chris, you got a quiz for us? So uh, earlier this month, uh, J.K. Rowling, author of several books, she tweeted. She tweeted something. Oh, yeah. 
And this is the tweet. This is the tweet that she tweeted. Her tweet was, Cry, foe, run amok, fa awry. My wand won't tolerate this nonsense. This is a tweet from J.K. Rowling. Uh Now, anything with the sentence, fa awry, (laughs) that's F-A space A-W-R-Y, is probably (laughs) an anagram. Somebody working real hard to make the anagram Real hard to shove that anagram in there. Yeah, or something. Something's up. Yeah. And in fact, she had even said previously to this, like in a reply to someone, oh, I should post an anagram about what I'm doing. So, So, yes, it was an anagram, and she was very clear that, like, oh, this has some relation to something that I'm working on. So Harry Potter fans immediately set to working it out. One of the guesses that got a lot of traction was, Harry returns, won't say any details now, a week off, no comment. (laughs) That's not bad. That's not bad. Well, here, look, here's the problem. The thing with really long anagrams, it can yeah. be so many you, you can make them say whatever <laughs> yeah. you want. For example, um, the sentence I can exclusively reveal that sentence also anagrams to <clears throat> my own secret author fame news. Drink only a soy non-fat water. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously it's about healthy beverage yeah, selection at yeah, Starbucks. That makes just as much sense. Right, exactly. So the actual now she had to get I mean, she had to get clue after clue after clue, and eventually they figured out that it was the sentence was Newt Scamander only meant to stay in New York for a few hours. This was the first line, I believe, of her synopsis of the upcoming Fantastic Beasts and Where oh, to Find yeah. Them yep, yep, yep. Uh, film or films. Because yep. they're going to, the Warner Brothers said they're going to do a trilogy. Oh, of course. Because <laughs> everything has to be a trilogy. Yeah. 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 They might it, make more money. And if it's I'm already sure. a trilogy, it has to be four. It's going to get a four. They're gonna, they'll take <laughs> yeah. the last one and they'll split it up they're into two yeah. unsatisfying <laughs> movies. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so then this, uh, I, now I created that anagram about um, drinking only soy non-fat water uh, with, with help from, of course, wordsmith.org. Yep, anagram. Where the internet yep. anagram server is located, helps you anagram I things. am arrangement servant. I rearrangement servant. Service. Yes, yeah. Yep, yeah. Yep. <laughs> servant. And so they actually also have a page uh, on wordsmith.org that has some trivia about anagrams that have Ooh. been used in literature. Oh. In books. So here is a little, a little quiz, a little mini quiz about um, anagrams that have been used in works of literature. Fine. All right. Okay. This author created the character Vivian Dark Bloom as an alter ego of himself. Oh, Vivian. of himself. Vivian Dark Bloom. Dark yeah. Bloom. His initials were VN. Uh-oh. Dana. Victor oh. Nabokov. No. Oh, uh, it, Vladimir. Vladimir. Vladimir Nabokov. Yes, indeed. Yeah, yeah. Vivian Dark Bloom shows up mm. in Lolita, oh. and that is a a stand-in for the author. It's a, oh. it's a good anagram, right? Yeah, yeah that is good. In the early goings of the book The Da Vinci Code, um, sure. uh, Robert Langdon, protagonist, Tom Hanks, symbologist, encounter symbologist, Robert Langdon, Harvard symbologist, encounters the phrases, Oh, draconian devil, oh, lame saint. And uh. these turn out to be the beginning of his journey, these anagram to something. Oh, draconian devil! Oh, lame saint! What oh, was he being? What was devil. he being clued towards? He a was location. In, he was in the Louvre. 
in in oh. Paris at this point. It was cluing him towards something. something. Da Vinci. Oh, draconian devil. Oh, lame saint. It was the first. Right, okay, so it was pointing Le- to the first Leonardo da Vinci. Leonardo da Vinci. The Mona Lisa. Lisa. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Yep. And then, of course, he goes to the Mona Lisa and finds that someone is painted on it. So dark, the con of man. <laughs> and this leads him to Madonna on the rocks. Okay. They're just simple anagrams. Well, yeah. You think I don't know. That's why you so, you're supposed to be able to figure them out. You got to be a Harvard sociologist. I Harvard. I don't think my so. laptop and uh, <laughs> anagram. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> In the French edition of a certain book, this character's name had to be changed to Tom Elvis Jedusor. Karen. Oh. Tom Riddle. Tom Riddle. Yes. 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 So, Marvolo. Right. Yeah. So, of course, yeah, Tom Marvolo Riddle, anagrams to I am Lord Voldemort. That's how he got his name in the, in the text. Mm-hmm. And, of course, because of this, because of the I am Lord Voldemort. Just. Je, je suis mm-hmm. Voldemort. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Tom Elvis Jedusor. Je, je suis Voldemort. Now, of course, in... in other in every different language that, that Harry Potter gets translated, there's different names. I like that. There's a different because they have to because keep the connection. To, it has to now. Sometimes they're able. To, sometimes they are able to 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 get to get really close to Tom Marvel over it. It'll just change a couple of things. Or in Dutch, his name is Martin Asmadam Villagen. Um, which is an anagram of Minam is Voldemort. <laughs> so they, so I mean, they had to call him something totally different. Tom Riddle oh, yeah. from the second book. From the second book, it they was had to Tom have Marvel a new name. Riddle. Yeah, oh yeah. So beginning from Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, Any, like, they have to start figuring out how they can do it. Yep. Wow. And to get to Voldemort, which they tend to keep. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. This popular uh, humorist sometimes goes by the pseudonym Ray Adverb. Oh, Dave Sedaris? No. Oh, uh, uh, Ray uh, Dave Adverb. Barry. Dave, Dave Barry. Barry. Dave Barry. Uh, Ray, Ray Adverb. That's right. Ray Adverb. <laughs> here's here's one that is actually a piece of trivia. This is not in the book. This is only in the movie version of Silence of the Lambs. This okay. did not appear in the okay. in the book. This um, Chris. At one point, I know, right? Yeah. Sure. Yep, very highly. Hannibal Lecter um, initially tells Clary Starling that the killer that she is looking for, uh, that his name is Lewis Friend. And then this is revealed. She figures out that it is an anagram for something. And she tells them that it is in reference to fool's gold or a false oh. solution. Mm. What did Lewis Friend anagram into? L-O-U-I-S-F-R-I-E-N-D. It anagrams into a... a the the official name for fool's gold. Oh, so you're looking oh. for what is fool's gold actually? Or right uh, or, or, or uh, pyrite? Py- yeah, it's like an element, right? Well, no, well, not it, element. I mean, it anagrams it. into it. Yeah, yeah, it it's, anagrams into it. Yeah. Right, right. Lewis, uh, Lewis friend. Are you looking it up on the internet? No, I'm. <laughs> oh, you're typing it out to yeah, look at it. Yeah, just to look at the letters. Sis- yeah, pyrite is the name of the mineral itself. But the the actual like the chemical name. Oh, I got it. The but chemical I name saw the it. answer. Well, yeah, because you looked it up on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's okay. So it is, what is it? It's a uh, chemical gold, makeup. Fool's gold. Karen, you want to tell us? Iron sulfide. Uh, okay. Iron sulfide oh, okay. is fool's gold, and yeah, Lewis Friend. Uh, and finally, having absolutely no connection to books whatsoever, uh, maybe she reads books. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, the uh, musical artist Imogen Heap released an album with uh, this yes. uh, anagrammed title. 
Colin. That was I Megaphone. I uh, Megaphone. Yep, an anagram for Imogen Heap. Oh, yeah. of herself. Cool. There we go. Cool. Mm-hmm. cool. All right, and that is our episode about books. Thank you guys for joining me, and thank you guys, listeners, for listening in. Hope you learned a lot of stuff about bookshelves, about anagrams, about children. <laughs> Parents being sassy at children's books and more. You can find us on iTunes, on Stitcher, on SoundCloud, and also on our website, goodjobbrain.com. And thanks to our sponsor, Squarespace. And we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.